I got to see a lot of the countryside. We would take these real long walks. There must be some kind of way out of here. Said a joker to the thief. And we were always looking for this guy named Charlie. It wasn't always fun. Lieutenant Dan was always getting these funny feelings about a rock or a trail or the road. So he'd tell us to get down, shut up. Get down, shut up. So we did. Now, I don't know much about anything, but I think some of America's best young men served in this war. There was Dallas from Phoenix. Cleveland, he was from Detroit. Hey, Tex. Hey, Tex. Man, what the hell's going on? And Tex was... Well, I don't remember where Tex come from. Ah, uh, nothing. Ah, <laughs> uh, nothing. Yeah, nothing. Uh, well, uh, Forrest Gump. I am so happy that you uh, randomly picked that clip. On totally random. Prompted Definitely because, um, no input from you whatsoever. Because I want to get on my soapbox <laughs> okay. uh, this week and uh, talk a little bit uh, about In Defense of Forrest Gump. We'll call this segment In Defense of Forrest in Gump. Defense of and that Forrest may sound Gump. strange okay, to a lot of people who would think, why would you need to defend Forrest Gump? Everybody loves it. And you would be right, right. about most people. Right. Um, right. But a couple of thoughts on this to begin with. Uh, Forrest Gump to me is like a top 20 movie ever. It's a very special movie to me. I sure. love it. I think it's fantastic. Um, but I do feel like even though it's kind of one of those beloved movies that's sort of woven into the fabric of like American culture and, you know, world, there's Bubba Gump shrimp all over the place and people quote the movie all the time. I I do feel like uh, it gets some unfair backlash in that whole you were too successful for what you are thing, right? So mm-hmm. – the movie wins the 1994 Oscar Best Picture over Pulp Fiction, which is the hip, sexy movie that would mm-hmm. have been the the interesting choice. Right. And Shawshank Redemption, which is now you know considered by a lot of people in IMDb the greatest movie of all time. So I think people are always hating on Forrest Gump. But what spurred me to want to talk about this is, do you know the the podcast Unspooled? I know of it. I haven't listened to a ton of it. Um, so, so I've been listening to that one. They go yeah. through all of the AFI top right, 100 films right. and they sort of grade them on their own. And it's been a fun podcast to listen to. Um, uh, Paul Shear, uh, I'm a fan of. I think he's really funny. And it's it's been a fun one to kind of go through all the movies with them. The one that really shocked me and the one that um, – offended is probably too big of a word. But the one that really got under my skin uh, was their review of Forrest Gump. <laughs> so neither of them felt that movie deserved to stay on the oh. AFI top hundred list. Interesting. And these, this is a, the American Film Institute. So the movies that are not not maybe the best movies in the world, but the best movies that are also I think relevant to America. Like it's yeah. for American audiences. This is what we're talking about. Right. And it kind of shocked me. And I expected somebody to come to the defense of Forrest Gump. And apparently, their their fans, the unspoolers or whatever they call them. Um, have kept the movie in and they've responded that, you know, they want the movie to be on the list, but, but they were really shitting on it. And one of the big complaints was, you know, the main character, he's really just an idiot, right? Like he, he doesn't learn anything. He doesn't grow. And, and the, the rule of a script is, you know, your character's got to grow. And I thought about like calling in or like tweeting at them or whatever and like responding. And then I thought, you know what? 
I'm sure they listen to us. I'm just going to talk yeah. on our podcast about what I think because I, like, I don't think I like they that logic. anyway. Yeah, that's wonderful. But th- this is my platform, though, and I, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna uh, uh, kind of air air some of this out just for a minute. So um, apologies for anybody who actually I'm not going to apologize. No, no, no. Because no. like yeah. it's a beautiful movie. It's a sweet I'm ready. movie. I'm ready. It, it, you know, it's okay that it's sentimental, and you know, we love uh, uh, you know the old um, Frank Capra movies and all these movies that are heartfelt. And it's like, here's one for the modern era. You know yeah. what I mean? If that's a movie that we value in one time, we should value it another time. But um, my initial thought, just from their biggest criticism, that your main character is not growing, he's not learning anything. First of all, if that is the rule, and I do think there's something to that, there's always the exception that makes the rule, right? So Forrest Gump, to me, there's a character who, for you know, all intents and purposes, is only going to be able to grow so far, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how far does your empathy go? He He can only learn so much because he is hindered and handicapped in a way, right? He has comprehension issues Mm -hmm. and not to get like too specific, but as somebody who's got someone in my life, who's who I care about a lot, who has comprehension issues, certain people are only going to be able to maybe take in so much and and maybe their growth arc. Is not as big, right? As the normal person, but who's to say that's not relevant. And also I think this movie is about, a person that sort of weaves in and out of these big moments, kind of not knowing what's going on, but is a pure, innocent force of good that affects everyone else. I think it's more about the growth of all the people this person comes into contact with. Right. And in that way, I feel like like if anyone who knows anybody who's got Down syndrome or anybody mm-hmm. who knows anybody – like if you watch The Peanut Butter Falcon, right? Mm-hmm. Like that movie is not about – the handicapped kid learning a valuable lesson and outgrowing his handicap. It's more about like this special person who is hindered in a way, but still has a huge impact. His life is still valuable. Right. right? And that would be my argument is like, here's a guy who, who again, it's, it's kind of fantastical obviously, but he's a part of all these big events and maybe he doesn't absorb any of that and take any of that on. But Mm -hmm. how many people does he touch along the way and really literally change their life? Yeah. You know, in, for the better in, in most cases. So that would be kind of my first response. And if you're going to criticize this movie, I feel like the critics might say, oh, yeah, you know, stupid, nonsensical, he doesn't grow. But, you know, those are the same critics that love a movie like uh, Being There with Peter Sellers. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. But, again, no. this is a movie about a guy who does not know what's going on. He's like the gardener that's slow. It's never really stated what goes on. But everyone finds him profound because he's so simple and we're all stuck in this mm-hmm. complex world. So the point of that movie, same thing. This guy wanders in and out of people's lives, not really knowing what's going on. But he has a profound impact. And uh, more recently, if you're going into the uh, uh, foreign films, you've got um, – I don't know if you saw The 100-Year-Old Man Who Climbed Out the Window and Disappeared. I don't know if you even know about that one. No. But they've made a sequel. It was – I guess successful enough that now there's one called I haven't seen this one, but it's the hundred and one year old man who <laughs> uh skipped out on the check and disappeared. Oh, okay. But anyway, again, this is just a guy who is hindered in some way, but gets in all these crazy adventures, you know, and just kind of weaves in and out of stuff. So I think Forrest Gump's very special, um, for a lot of reasons. I think it is a quintessentially American film. I think it it in a lot of ways, Forrest parallels the growth of America, right? Like he's mm-hmm. this young boy and he comes up through his coming of age, his adolescence, and the country is losing its innocence as he's kind of losing his innocence, you know, along the way, like we're going through those growing pains of Vietnam and all these time periods. And obviously no one could be a part of all these historic events, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's kind of an, to me, like an allegory for Mm -hmm. that. The soundtrack's incredible, obviously. 
Um, but beyond any of that stuff and me breaking it down and talking about all the sum of all its parts, we're going through clips before this podcast started. And it's just like one scene after another mm-hmm. is popping into your head. And I like I value that. That's not everything like the sum of its parts versus mm-hmm. the whole is it a bait you can have. But when there are so many scenes that are memorable and again, it's now just a part of people's lives and they reach for those quotes and those moments like that's not easy to do. Right. There's no formula for that. But that's like catching lightning in a bottle does matter. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. you if you did Star Wars again now uh, and you did everything the exact same way, it wouldn't necessarily work. Right. Sometimes it's just society's ready for it. The elements come together just right. You know what I mean? And nobody knows why it works. It just works. So that's a good example. Uh, You know, Star Wars, A New Hope is um, is to so many people so perfect in its genre. It's obviously incredibly important. And yet anybody that wants to could pick it apart. And it yeah, did happen sure. on Newcomers, the pod, new podcast. You know, right. someone that's not real familiar with it uh, or its significance can pick it apart. And, you know, the things that they might say about it, pacing-wise and story-wise, they're probably not wrong. But I just feel like it's so trendy now, especially in L.A. and especially in kind of critical circles to – uh reanalyze something and if mm-hmm. you know if you can deem it to be overrated and you have a, a new take on it then it's it's kind of like news you know it, it's yeah. something yeah. that uh that uh and i haven't heard this one before Ooh, yeah tell me right. why why right. why it actually sucks yeah. you know and it just yeah. it feels very clickbaity and very um yeah, and very, that's what it is. Very, very uh, uh, yeah, I, I want attention because I have a, a new opinion. And, and right. you know, th- that's not to say that it's wrong in, in, in something as trivial as movie opinions to change your right. opinion, uh, obviously, whatever. But the reality is, yeah, they're ignoring an enormous amount of achievement in that movie uh, if they legitimately feel what they're saying and they're not just saying it to say it. And if they're saying it just to say it, then that's dumb. And if they right. feel that right. way, then um, it doesn't, uh, yeah, it doesn't quite make sense to me either. Cause I agree with everything you said, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I, and I just yeah. think like saying, you know, this doesn't work for me, but clearly the proof is in the pudding and mm-hmm. we know how many people this has affected sure. or impacted. That's a different thing too. Right? It's kind like of like they're, they're... me saying how terrible the Lord of the Rings trilogy is. <laughs> Having never seen it. Having never and seen being, it. Right, right, right. <laughs> I can't say that. I can't, uh, listen, I can't so be angry about multiple things at once. Let me stay angry about Forrest Gump for a minute. Focus. But the All only right. other thing I wanted to say is like you were just talking about, obviously we love breaking these things down, yeah. criticizing yeah, them, yeah. analyzing them. It's fun for us. But – I do think it's very easy, and this is the culture we're in now with the internet and all the podcasts and all the review shows and everything else. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're partaking in that, but I, I fear that we're we're veering into such a let's get critical sphere that we're forgetting to appreciate anything, right? Like it's almost sure. like if we find a flaw, this right. isn't the most perfect thing we've ever right. seen. We need to just talk about the flaw. And I think sometimes it's great to break things down. I think it can add to your enjoyment of something, why you think something's Mm -hmm. so good. But at the same time, at the end of the day, if you go into a movie and you love movies, you're looking for some kind of emotional connection, right? right? Like you're looking for something that's beyond just critique, just analysis, right? And intellectual. It can be intellectual, but there is – you're emoting. Like there's a feeling aspect to this. And – 
just because somebody can't necessarily even articulate like what it is about something, you know, the majority of people that go to movies that aren't even like cinephiles like you and me, you know, they're going to a movie and at the end of the night, end of the night when they come out of it, they're just going to tell you I loved that or I didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like maybe yeah. they can talk to you at length about it. But 20 years from now, if they saw their favorite movie, they're going to be like, oh, my God, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily because, oh, you know, this is why I loved it. It's just this movie struck a chord with me. Yeah. And to that point, just the last thing I'm going to say, we'll move on from Forrest Gump. When I was working in Goldsboro as a realtor, um, the the broker in charge there, my buddy Michael, actually would kick off anytime we had a new agent. He'd be like, I want you to stand up, tell everybody who you are. You know, he's the basic stuff. Yeah, yeah. But he always threw in at the end and tell everybody what your favorite movie is. Uh, sure. You know what I mean? Like you just like that would it would be like a couple things, you sure. know, and then that would be it. And, you know, we had like 25 agents, not a big office. By and large, the only repeat movie we ever had named, and we mm-hmm. probably had it named six, seven times in right. three years. And I'm right. talking out of like 15 people. Right. Was Forrest Gump. Right. And like that matters to me. Like these yeah. were not people who are ever going to take a film class. Sure. These, these are just normal people. But the fact that it's resonating with so many of them and they're mm-hmm. like, you know, I've always like loved Forrest Gump. Like that shit matters to me. I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm the film snob to a degree right. that I can't recognize like a normal audience picture, like an audience pleaser. Sure. You know what I mean? That just makes people feel good and it's a fun ride and it's a really incredibly well-made movie. We're not even getting into Zemeckis and technology and all all those things. But um, so anyway, it really annoyed the shit out of me, (laughs) even though I love the Unspooled podcast, that there just no one was coming to the defense of it. And well, were I they? Well, I guess I should listen and, to it. But were they on? Were they firmly on the side of okay, it's great, but it's not top one hundred great? Or were they just saying like it's not good? You know, no, it was much more them saying we need to revisit this one because this doesn't hold up. Which mm. again is insane to me. I, right, I, right, I right. disagree with that a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and you know they're making the argument for a Wizard of Oz, and I'm not saying that doesn't hold up, but they're basically talking about something that was seminal in one time period. Yeah. And saying we're going to allow this to stay, even though everything has moved on, you right. know, beyond it. Yeah, things but then this age other one, differently. Something not yeah. holding up to me doesn't. This this is different than that. Like I, I don't think I'd use those words to describe something like Forrest Gump. Um, right. When it was right. out, it was extremely. It was such an achievement, film wise. But then you know, story wise, um, you know, you were talking about who had beat out that year at the Oscars, and it's like that. None of that seems wrong to me, just because I maybe like Pulp Fiction. Me more for other reasons it's like you're not going to say that's objectively wrong or or even if right. you looked at it through today's lens it's none of that's wrong that all tracks to me um yeah. yeah not holding up is a is a real strong statement for something like this um i'm trying to think what what is something that we would talk about today not holding up and i'm not sure I'm not sure where yeah. we would use that, where you and I would use well, that phrase. Kickboxer certainly <laughs> wouldn't have held up. So, so we watched Kickboxer uh, last night. Seamless transition. Um, it was my first time watching it, and uh, it was wonderful. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, there's just <laughs> there's just yes. something about, uh, you know, the 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 training for a ridiculous thing. You know, oh, I, I wouldn't yeah. even put it in the category of like real training, like what Rocky did for training montages. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. that feels so like significant and real. And this to me is like a cartoon in comparison. <laughs> so right. it's like it's the same kind of, you know, uh, uh, 
point that you got to train before your athletic thing, but it's, mm-hmm. it's so nonsense and, and, <laughs> and it's really, really satisfying. That movie was very yeah, satisfying. So. And that's why I compared it to the Quentin Tarantino montage right. and like kill bill where she's training. Obviously it's done yeah. much better. He's elevating it to high art or whatever you want to call but it. But he's really, it's super a silly, aware of yeah. how silly it is. Um, right. yeah, the guy jumping You're training on the to be sword. A superhero. Yeah. And everything. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're becoming next level. That um, none of us can really achieve. And just whipping around yeah, his, anyway. his beard. Uh, <laughs> so oh, yeah. yeah, all yeah. those quick zooms. I really, really enjoyed group. kickboxer. So we watched that. Um, what else have you watched, uh, in the last <laughs> couple of weeks? Uh, man, uh, so many things. Um, a ton of stuff uh, that that uh, me and Jess have been kind of crashing through. Um, I did want to mention um, I'm saving one for my hidden gem. Cool. So I'm going to get to that yeah, one. Yeah, got it. But um, I don't know if you would ever heard of a movie called Playtime. Uh, it's an older – it's a 60s film. Um, I think I'm pronouncing this right. Jack. You Tantin, know I only watch I new it is. movies. Of yeah, course, of course. But I wanted to mention this one because I thought about you particularly because of sound. So this is a guy, he was a, he was an actor, he was a director, he was a comedy star back in the day. He's a French, a French filmmaker. And the movies he makes, they're not silent films, but they might as well be. It's really in the, um, style and tradition of, uh, of, uh, Charlie Chaplin mm-hmm. or, um, you know, Buster, Buster Keaton, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, what he does is he uses, it's all, it's almost like a Foley artist dream, right? It's all the ambient noise around and then the set, you know, the the noise in the background really is what kind of tells the story. So this guy's kind of bumbling through one area and another. And what's really kind of telling the scene, though, it's I don't know how to describe it. It's very necessary to have the sound effects hmm. as he's going through, even though they're not what's taking place right in front of you. It's stuff oh. that's going on around him. Interesting. And that's how all of his movies have been. been. And I, I watched a couple in film school. Um my uncle or mon uncle is uh, my favorite one of his, but just watch playtime. I've pretty much seen all of his stuff now. Um, so uh, I w- that was a lot of fun. I watched a documentary, just a media documentary called Chris Farley, uh, anything for a laugh. Oh, interesting. And that was awesome. It, nothing spectacular about how the documentary was made. It's just a TV documentary, yeah, yeah. but uh, kind of an awesome deep dive in Chris Farley. That'd be good. Um, yeah. An all time talent, obviously I'll add that to my list. Um, we we actually watched the Dora movie. I don't know if you ever saw that one before. Dora, uh, the one from last year, Dora the Explorer. Yeah, yeah the dude, I loved it. I told you, I actually talked what? about it on the podcast. Oh shit, I've already That's forgotten okay. this. Man, my yeah, I, re- I no, recommended it highly, it. and I, the only thing I it was great. didn't like about it is uh, what's his face, who was the executive producer, who plays the guy that they come across eventually who is in overboard i forget his name he's a very oh, famous okay. mexican right. actor but no, no, I, I know you're talking about i i i don't like him i think he's super Fair. annoying and and he's no less annoying in this movie yeah. but like the movie as a whole is fucking awesome i don't yeah, know it's, it's <laughs> just if you like jumanji and yeah, you like stuff in 100%. the vein of like the mummy like brendan fraser mummy it's like, like a, you're gonna like this it was a lot it's of like fun. a yeah i mean it's obviously it's target market what you know it, it's weird because the people that grew up with Dora are not, you know, eight anymore. They're yeah, 20. Yeah. You know? Well, that's what they did so well in this. They knew that. And she's not a 10-year-old. She's, I mean, the actress who played her, I think, is like 20, you know? Yeah. And And yeah. even though she might be playing like a 15-year-old in the movie-ish, um, you know, right. she's still in high school, not 
elementary or middle school. And, uh, and it just, it really opens it up to a much bigger audience. And I think even if you're an adult, it's just like a fun adventure movie. Oh, it's super fun. Um, super fun. And I've never watched Dora. I know what Dora I do, is. I, I've I'm, never I'm seen out of episode. the age bracket. <laughs> right. Of course. But, but yeah. Jess kind of remembered it, you know, and we, sure. we kind of put it on to fall asleep to, and we just kept looking at each other and like chuckling. And we we're like, this is, <laughs> is this really good? And then yeah. she'd be like, yeah, this is really good. Yeah, like yeah, good. <laughs> this is really well made, like regardless right. of. Correct, you know, whether that's yeah. your kind of movie, uh, um, I enjoyed it. There's some, there's some really fun comedy in it that hits right. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Dora, it was <laughs> nice. a lot of fun. Um, um, and then the other one I wanted see. to mention, what um, else is uh, uh, there, there? Yeah, there's one other that I wanted to mention called The Take. Have you ever heard of The Take? Uh, a couple years ago, smaller film. So. It's Idris Elba, uh-huh. and it's also I always blank on his name. Um, Rob Stark. It's the other guy in the oh. running for James Bond. From what yeah. They say. I in a movie together, too. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, um, cool. But but it's it's literally it's a, an an agent for you know British intelligence or something that's in mm-hmm. France and they're chasing terrorists. Is that kind of spy type cool. of yeah, yeah. thriller? But the idea that I really enjoyed is there's a pickpocket who essentially is just working the street and accidentally lifts something that essentially is part of a terror network. Oh, that's cool. And it's now being hunted, and now Idris yeah, yeah. Elba is after him, and they end up having to kind it's of like team enemy up. of it the was, state. <laughs> oh, it was a fun ride. It is like Enemy of the State. Yeah, it's kind of um, similar, yeah. But without Gene Hackman. Yeah. Uh, there yeah, is yeah. a lot of running in both yeah, movies. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that one was fun too. The take, if you get a chance, you know, you're looking for something yeah, to watch. Yeah, that's a fun, word. fun uh, ad, That's a good one. It's no Forrest Gump, but it's a good flick. Right. What about you? What have you seen? Um, I, not a ton of stuff. Um, I, you know, I'm still catching up on Bond with my Bond group. We did Only Live Twice and Diamonds Are Forever this week. Diamonds Are Forever is really fun, man. I, I, I The more I've, I watch it because I've seen it. It's crazy. I think I've seen it more than any Connery one now. Um, I'm not sure why. Okay, but okay. yeah, I, <laughs> don't, don't ask me why. I'm not sure why either. Um, but hey, whatever. But uh, but I really enjoy it. And uh, Austin uh, texted me this morning uh, or whenever yesterday uh, texted us the picture of the elephant winning the slot machine. Um, yes, and yes. he's like, "This is my favorite thing in any Bond movie." <laughs> and I, I the really Vegas have, stuff is fun. I really had the thought that, uh, you know, James Bonding has shirts. And so that that podcast has shirts. I bought you the Pigeon Double Take one, which yep, is really yep. funny for Moonraker. And then they have the Kananga Balloon one. So these are like little memes that they created, like screenshot, you know, memes of these weird instances in Bond movies. And uh, and I feel like this should be one of those. And I don't know what you would call it, but like elephant jackpot, you know, hashtag elephant jackpot. Yeah. And yeah. and they just I don't know why that's not on the list, um, because I, yeah. I, I just feel like it perfectly fits into that as like a trio. But anyways, really enjoyed Diamonds Are Forever. Um, that, we watched, uh, if yeah. I can say on, on Diamonds Are Forever, Diamonds Are Forever feels to me the same as A View to a Kill feels for Roger Moore. Sure. Yeah. Like they're both of yeah. their last movies and they're both. Mm-hmm. Pretty batshit crazy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like when they're just like, okay, what what else can we throw? We've already thrown the kitchen sink at them. Yeah. Like what else can we throw at them? That's kind of how Diamonds Are Forever felt. Yeah. I, I, I still enjoy that one. It's a lot of fun. And I, <laughs> you know, we do a drinking game where we guess what's going to happen in the movie. I've told you that before. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Phil was like, he said something <laughs> about space. So he said something about, like a, <laughs> oh, yes. he, he said something out of a, about a, an object in space. That's flimsy where you can see it be flimsy. <laughs> and, and I said, does it count if it's not in, it's something that's supposed to be in space, but it's actually right. on the ground. Oh, and he's like, all right, I'll, I'll, we'll accept that. And then when obviously all that stuff happened, uh, it was really, yeah. really perfect. 
Well, um, let me uh, yeah. let me ask this uh, one thing, and then we'll move on. How did your your crowd feel about Bambi and Thumper? What was that like <laughs> being introduced to for the first? Um, yeah, I think I time? I think I said we need to drink when there are sexy Zen ninjas <laughs> when they come up, <laughs> and they're like, "All right, drink for sexy Zen ninjas." Uh, <laughs> oh, Connery's pink tiny tie during the that ties were nuts, insane. and it's, he's not the only it, one, but his is probably the shortest. But there's some yeah. characters that have equally sh- crazy fat short ties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and that's the first one in the, we're entering the seventies. Like that's the first Bond movie correct. in the seventies. Yeah. We think about Roger Moore as the seventies Bond and it makes sense because he's nuts and it's yep. big and it's funny. But Connery had been the sixties kind of dangerous. It's such Bond. a weird melding of the two yeah. vibes. And I and think that's why little, I like it. He, he's still great looking, but he's, he's a little chubby he's, at that point. But it's he's clearly his body, like, like he's not in great his shape. His hair's getting real like dirty. Uh-huh. And he's uh-huh. got bushier. One of the guys mentioned they were like, his eyebrows are so much bushier. Yeah, this one, not at his best. Not and his it best. just really like ramps up into that 70s vibe. And it's so and silly. And then all ending with fucking Jimmy Dean showing right, up. Right, right, right. Play, essentially playing a Howard Hughes type of character. Yeah. Like it's a wild the guy, whole The guys were, I said. I, I haven't s- got anything in Baja. We, we've, and we've talked about the uh, Jimmy Dean stuff on the podcast before. But I was like, Jimmy yeah. Dean, you guys, is in this movie. And they were like. <laughs> like, what do you mean by that? Like, is there someone playing Jimmy? D- you know, and I was like, oh, no, no, Christ. Jimmy Dean yeah. is in this movie. Um, anyways, oh. really enjoy that. Good we watched um, uh, yeah, last week. Uh, Patrick and I and Kevin watched uh, Guns Akimbo. Um, I would say, yeah, that's a recommend for someone that is okay with stupid action movies. Yes, um, yes, it's and just like hyper, yeah, very hyper violent, but oh, um. It's so dumb, but really, really entertaining. <laughs> and, you know, the first, like, half hour of it, I was like, eh, this is pretty bad. But yeah, it actually, too. the too. energy gets so high because you feel like you're just on so many drugs that it um, – <laughs> what other movies are like that where you just – they feel like a drug trip? Yeah, you know, the it's one It's in where, that genre. Um, yeah, the one where they re- – the, what's the one where it's Hardcore oh, Henry, up, where it's all first upgrade. person, like POV, oh, and oh, Upgrade. Yeah. That's Hardcore. the other one. I was thinking about both yeah, of those, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are ones I would say that are like that. And also, if you want to go back crank? to kind of the first one I remember. remember crank? That's the first one. Yeah, that's what I was going. there you the go. The first one I remember being that kind of movie was Crank. Okay, that cool. That was like yeah, the beginning yeah, yeah. of – Whatever no, this subgenre. This is. is the genre, yeah, and it it uh, and it actually was pretty well, even though it's got some weird shaky cam, but it's all like in in service of their style and style. Right. It's very right. heavily stylized, but um, pretty cool. Anyways, um, if you're not sure what Guns Akimbo is, it's a movie where Daniel Radcliffe gets guns bolted into his hands uh, <laughs> to anyways. play a game live action real game a real you game actually try to kill each other on yeah. camera yeah. for the all the internet in the world yeah to, yeah yeah, to look at, yeah. So. it's it's uh it, it's fun <laughs> anyways yeah. yeah that's um, exactly what the movie is by the way that's a perfect <laughs> description we didn't leave anything no out. no that's, that's what the it whole is. thing um so i watched okay so i got i got a couple more to talk about here um so I did just real quick. I did watch, and I think our friend Nick did to watch. She's funny that way. That was the one you mentioned ah, last yes, week. Yes. Um. I uh. Yeah, I enjoyed it. You obviously said ah. Oh, yeah. Very, not as much. Huh? Eh, you very very accurately said. You know, it's a it's essentially a Woody Allen movie, and Bogdanovich right. yeah. has that style. It's just lots of characters, big ensembles that play off of each other, and um and so I get that. I I, I know what his style is, but. 
within that genre, if you kind of throw all the Woody Allen shit that's like that in there too, um, I'd put it in the middle, you know, um, uh, but, Fair. but, uh, but that being said, it is very, very entertaining. Um, I would say that Jennifer Aniston is probably, I, I liked her more in this than any other movie where she's done this kind of stuff. Yes. Um, yes, I was I like, agree. this is better, you know, she, and she did a better job. Um, and I'd and rather have her playing that character, honestly, than the honest, lead in something. Every, every time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so. And Imogen Boots, basically the star of the movie, she is mm-hmm. also just wonderful. And she yeah, um, picks really good movies. I think she, that actress does. Um, anyways, I, I don't know. It, it, it wasn't at all that I didn't enjoy it. It, it was just more that it, of Not that as many genre. I was just you. like, yeah, it's, you know, kind of middle. Um, you might anyways. say it didn't hold up as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, we should really <laughs> revisit this. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and the the last new one that I saw, I actually just watched it last night. That's for me a pretty high recommend. Have you heard okay. of Horse Girl? Yes, and Jess really wants to watch it, and I just haven't been in the movie. I'm sorry, I just haven't been in the mood. Sure, to movie because you lose probably my mind know what yet. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched the trailer, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, we're watching that," but not tonight. Well, so, so it's Duplass it Brothers produced. Um, yep, they didn't yep. direct it, and they didn't write it. Allison Brie actually co-wrote it with the director, and oh, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I, I think at this point. Maybe it's just a COVID-related thing, but anything—and I've said this before—anything original. I'm I, anything that's mm-hmm. a, truly mm-hmm. original. I'm just like, yeah, thank you for doing something that I haven't right. seen. Right. And it's not that it doesn't have the vibe of a lot of other movies, but um, I think hands down, it's the best thing Allison Brie has ever done. Like in terms of her performance, wow. right. you know, it's, I think about her obviously from so much TV. A huge regular in community, huge regular in, or sort of a regular in Mad Men, and then uh, and then Glow, and like she's got these three TV shows that were pretty prolific and and big, but it's still TV, and I felt like she was kind of one note, maybe a little bit in mm-hmm. in a lot of that, and then as far as movies go, eh, it's kind of she's not in a ton of stuff. I don't know. I I yeah. I haven't seen her range really, even though I, I've always thought she was good. I just didn't see much range. And then this one is like her movie. You know, she wrote, you right. know, co-wrote right. it, and she's so she's like in every scene. Um, so highly, highly recommended if you're into dramas. It is a drama. It is an indie drama. It is um, very uh, kind of mysterious and weird. Um, it is it is not totally straightforward. Um, but in in that you know, in that genre, whatever of like weird offbeat indies. Um, it is great, really great. Um, so highly recommend that. And the last thing I'm going to talk about, um, is something I rewatched recently. And I know you've seen this because I think it was like making the rounds at the tour department when we used to work there, but the buried secret of M night Shyamalan, I watched (laughs) again. And I think you actually lended that to me. I I loaned it out because I have the DVD and it's not uh, super common that you see that DVD because it's a TV documentary, you know, and it's not even real, you know. It's just like such a weird thing. But I guess to our audience, if I've never talked about, it, I really don't know if we've ever talked about it on the podcast. But I don't think so. If think so. if you've never heard of it, it is a documentary. It is a documentary that was made during the filming of the Village, and it was made for the Sci-Fi Network um, as a 
uh, as a kind of companion to uh, you'd call it a marketing piece um, to come out along with the village uh, to promote the village. But it is it is. I, I struggle with the idea of it being fake because it's not fake. A fake documentary to me is like Spinal Tap. And that's like right. Right. Th- the content isn't real. I mean, I, I don't even know what well, the cat- content's not really real. Well, yeah. I, no, I, I get what you mean. But I guess the point is that this is purported to be on the level. And obviously Spinal Tap is too. You know, but it it is so hard to identify this because even the sci-fi network when it was released (laughs) had to put out mass press releases and go on record saying like we went too far we apologize for how this is um we we didn't (laughs) have full control or we didn't have enough time or whatever they said you know yeah and it's one of the most meta things ever because in the documentary they're at sci-fi talking about how the documentary is not coming out (laughs) the way that it should and you're just like how is this something that was produced how the fuck did this get made i think the story of this documentary is more interesting and um almost more of of more um i don't know what the word is but like it's almost smarter than any of his movies um yeah, right, and right, right, you know right. what i mean there's there's yeah, something next this is to like level. kevin smith talking about movies that i like better than even kevin smith's movies right it's really really weird um and and meta and interesting and so anyways i highly recommend anybody that's sort of an m night Shyamalan fan like original m night stuff um you know check this out see if you can find yeah, it's it fun. Um, it's not weird. streaming anywhere. It's just super weird. And uh, I watched it probably a hundred times because I taped it off of television and I just like played that VHS out, you know? So, and, and M night oh, is in it so much. Yeah. He, and, he, and night is in it so much and he's so good in it. And you're just like, he's not even good in his own movies. Like when he's in <laughs> his own movies, a real right. movie, right. he doesn't really act that good. Well, you know, he just kind of gets by um, even worse than the more recent ones. So it's very, very mm-hmm. weird. But um, I, I somehow think that this documentary will have a second life at some point where right more on. people will talk about it in the same way that I've recommended, like, rewatch Southland Tales because it was, yeah. like, too ahead of its time for people. Right. Um, so I kind of feel I that really, way about this. Yeah, I would need to revisit that one. I don't remember much about yeah. Southland Tales other than – was in it obviously right right um well it's nuts anyways uh i yeah, think that's I all remember the, that i think that's all the watched movies that i want to talk about do you have anything else there uh no 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 that that pretty much covers we have tv you want to you want to yeah uh, yeah yeah you got any um, tv additions to throw real, yeah not very much real quick uh snow piercer had its finale i highly recommend people check that out if you get a chance i'm sure it'll stream how, how does that hold up compared to the movie how you feel about the tv you know show? it's been Better so long since different. i've seen the movie but the fact that they even though it's TNT and no one watches TNT, it's like Mm -hmm. they clearly have a huge budget. And so having Mm -hmm. eight one hour episodes of this story, this, this specific story that they're telling here, which is not identical, you know, it's sort of similar to the movie. Right. Um, is really good. And the cast is really good. Jennifer Connelly does some outstanding work. Yeah. She's the star. Um, and David Diggs is in it. And, um, you know, from uh, from Hamilton and everything. So uh, I, I just really, really do recommend it. It's just weird because it's TNT and I don't know where people watch it. But yeah, um, yeah I got gotcha. you. 
I finished uh, Dark, which is the German TV show on Netflix. And I have to say that my last review of it was specific to season two. And I stand by that season two is outstanding. And I loved it. It It's some of the best time travel sci-fi ever made. Season three meh it's, it's okay. a pretty right. it's a pretty big yeah. meh for me you once you get into it though you have no choice you have to yeah, watch all three it. seasons right. um right. but i will say that the third season for me was harder um and okay. i thought that they took some weird in some weird directions um but i recommend it to everyone um and the last is thing it, else is it done in three seasons or is it coming back like, no no they're the, done it yeah it, it, it wrapped okay. up finished. so it's totally done so unlike westworld yeah, right, right. Um, <laughs> the last TV I'll talk about, excuse me, I just watched a couple hours ago, is Star Trek Lower Decks, which premiered today. Oh, snap. Um, well, uh, ooh, I do, or, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like, trying to, <laughs> well, trying to read I think that, I think that most people will remember us talking about Star Trek enough that I really hate Picard. Uh, mm-hmm. And I eh, am not a big fan of Discovery, even though there are right. elements of Discovery that I've enjoyed. Um, and you know, and ultimately, we have those two shows, Picard and Discovery. And then we're getting a new one called uh, Brave New Worlds or whatever. And then uh, with Captain Pike and Spock and everybody. And then, uh, and then we have this Lower Decks, and that's assuming they don't add any more that I don't remember. Uh, there's like a Nickelodeon yeah. show coming out. Like a real oh. kids show. Uh, there's some right. there's some really weird decisions they're making, but I think all of it is in service of all of this shit I just mentioned is on CBS All Access. And they can't yeah. keep yeah. people on CBS All Access if they have one show. So it's right. like, all right, well we'll just That's oversaturate, you know. Yeah, we'll oversaturate. <laughs> and it we're with in a the bunch world building era, you're right. So they're trying to now. It, it, it's not inherently wrong, doing. but if they can't get the right people together to make quality shows, then it's just a cash grab. And it really feels like that. Um, And and this Lower Decks kind of feels like that. What I will say, though, without spoiling it, even in in concept for you, is just that Lower Decks takes place at this during roughly the same era as TNG. It's a little bit later. Like it's it's Nemesis era, like okay. ne- post okay. Nemesis, maybe yeah. the few years after Nemesis. So it's it's really like late TNG era. And uh, so stylistically, even though it's animated, stylistically, um, you know, it has a beautiful opening song and uh, and and uh, title sequence, a la yeah. TNG. Like it really the way that and it matches our favorite era. The, exactly. Track. They the way that they kept saying Picard was going to pay homage to this or that right, we respect right. so much the era, blah 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 blah, and it like none of it yeah. did. This does quite a bit more. Um, but it's all about the the writing and the stories that they're telling. And I think that what this will benefit from is a different story each week, which is something yep. you do in yep. animation anyways. Even though right. this is so derivative of Rick and Morty, um, it is still going to benefit from that renewed ability every week. So mm. I'm going to keep watching it. Um, and uh, but you know, I want you to watch it and tell me how you think uh, it is. Right cool. um, so that's really all I got on TV. You got anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, you've mentioned this one before, but um, Jess kind of binged, and I, I was in and out on it a little bit. But uh, Shit's Creek. Oh yeah, we uh, love shits. I watched it when they were doing it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, high recommend. I mean, just a fun, entertaining show. Wonderful. Um, 
a lot of funny stuff. The biggest thing I wanted to mention for TV, and obviously this is not a sports podcast, but <laughs> the NBA is back right now. Right. So I've been watching games, and bigger than like just the sport itself or whether you like basketball or not, it's really impacted me, man, just being able to see something of like the yeah. world pre yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, COVID and pandemic and stuff. And it's, it's been like kind of therapeutic to me. Like I, it's made me long for the things that we mm-hmm. haven't had now for four months and mm-hmm. who knows how much longer it's made me think about going back to a movie theater and seeing a flick or hanging out with friends in person and all these things. And so it's been, it, it's kind of surreal. Like it's mm-hmm. been great to have it. And it's reminded me like of like real life, normal life, at least sure. the way we all always had that, yeah. But also has really made me kind of I'm itching for, you know, more normalcy. So anyway, I'm I'm very happy that it's back. I just wanted to mention um, that one sport yeah. at least has come back. I know baseball is doing their best um, as well, um, but <laughs> I think they've already best. had, dude. They've already had cases, and it's just yeah. you know, Florida. I don't know, I don't know how right. this stuff goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, but that's uh, that's some that's some TV. I hear you. I hear you. Um, well, we'll all be back to normal eventually. Um, Someday. Yeah. Uh, I do want to mention before we talk about some news, I got a bunch of uh, sort of fun stuff. Um, Books. (laughs) The Silent Killer. No. (laughs) What are those? Uh, You know I can't read. Um, So I don't really, I I don't read much. Um, I, every once in a while, I'll buy a book that I can only get that way, but I'm a big fan of audiobooks. Um, I use yes. Audible pretty religiously, and um, and and I think my favorite genre of the last many years, um, which is probably pretty um, laughable to some people that read a lot, is just I really like like B level celebrity memoirs. <laughs> it's my favorite no, those are thing, fun. Don't and, and because ninety nine percent of those are narrated by the person. Um, and so the one that I'm almost done with, I've got only a little bit left, um, is, uh, Colin Jost's book that just came out. Uh, it's called, uh, a very punchable face. Colin Jost is the head writer of SNL and he's been <laughs> I have at to a, agree a, with him. Yeah. Yeah. Have that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and he's been the head writer at SNL for a while and he's been at SNL for 15 years. He started in 2005 Has and, he really? um, Jesus he's obviously dating Scarlett Johansson. Not that it matters. And it actually doesn't come up in the book really at all. They're engaged um, actually. Or, okay. Yeah, there you go. Sorry. Sorry. Um, nice but, love. uh, but you can really see what she sees in him because this book I've laughed more out loud listening to this book than most anything I can think of recently. And, uh, and, and it just gives you obviously a view into someone that you wouldn't have otherwise got. He is so, so fantastic. Um, his voice is great and, uh, both in writing and his literal voice, but he also is just very, very, very relatable, um, in, in almost all things, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know. He's just wonderful. So I, I really, really recommend, uh, that book. Um, and I'm also listening to Jim Carrey's new book, which is a little bit harder to get through because that's also a, essentially a memoir, but it is very deliberately a, and it, by the way, it's called memoirs and misinformation. I'm only about a third of the way through it, but it's, 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 um, 
it is uh, very overtly fictionalized. It's like a uh-huh. fever dream of what Hollywood is. It's not real, even though so much is based on what has really gone on in his life. And, you right. know, he, the character is Jim Carrey in the book, but every single thing that happens, you go, okay, I don't know if this is real or not. And you're, it's intended to not be necessarily factual. Um, but it's narrated. Uh-huh by Jeff Daniels. So, um, it's <laughs> okay. You just sold me. Yeah. Yeah. Could have started right um, there. and, and I just think for, for anyone that has worked in Hollywood, anyone that's, you know, been, been in, uh, you know, uh, filmmaking or television, um, and anyone who has dealt with, you know, huge celebrities. I mean, I'd argue that Jim Carrey in his time and for how much money he made per movie he's about as big as it gets i mean that's yeah. like you know what yeah, i mean yeah. uh you know he made like 30 million dollars for yes man i think was his salary on yes man and that was like however many fucking years ago so i don't know it's just really really fascinating um and uh and 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 interesting um anyways so that's the that's the book stuff um well uh so if um since you jumped into the listening stuff, we'll consider yeah. this part of the, the yeah, shit yeah. part of the movies and shit. I just wanted to recommend real quickly uh, just two podcasts. I already mentioned Unspooled that I've been listening to, but have you heard of the podcast Movies That Changed My Life? Oh, I think I subscribed to that at some point, but I'm not sure that I've listened to it. Um, it's an IMDb one. It, right. It's it's pretty cool, man. They're they're very quick. They're easily digestible. They're like maybe 30 minutes, and right. it's just any variety of people, director, actor, you know, film critic even. And it just basically goes through like who, you know, different people come on and they just kind of talk about they can pick two, three movies, four movies that affected them in some way deeply, hey, right? Nice. So it's not yeah. just like the the classic stuff you get like an AFI list where it's like, oh, Citizen Kane's the greatest movie. It's more like I was seven and I watched The NeverEnding Story, right? Mm-hmm. And Or Kevin Smith's on one and he says, I watched Slacker and I left being like, I can make a movie. Like right. I was blown away and simultaneously like that's attainable. Right. So it's really cool. Uh, it's worth checking out. I, I would highly recommend that. Yeah, that's the cool. other one that I absolutely love, and this is almost like my answer to newcomers, even though I enjoyed newcomers. Sure. But uh, have you heard of the Binge Mode podcast? I think I might have mentioned them before. They do um, – it's uh, – I'm not I'm sure. I'm trying to think of the name now. But um, anyway, they, they, they've they done a whole series on Harry Potter. Okay. So that's the one that people probably know them the best for, Harry Potter and Game of Thrones, where they literally do a chapter by chapter. Oh, is this a uh, – um, is it like Variety or something that does this? Uh, they, well, they are an offshoot of Bill Simmons, which is actually you oh, know, the sports okay. Okay, podcast gotcha. that I listen to. But it's Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion. Oh, okay. And I see this one, yeah. I cannot recommend this high enough <laughs> to fans. So the one that I've really gotten into, they do binge mode Star Wars. Okay. So they crushed Harry Potter. They did all cool. seven books. They covered the movies. And that was like, I don't know, thousand episodes or something. Then they were doing Game of Thrones, but because those books have ended yeah. and they can't keep going, they started to just sort of offshoot into different fan things. And so sure. they've explored the world of Star Wars and they've taken it movie by movie. I haven't listened to any beyond the the Skywalker trilogy of trilogies. Okay, yeah. Because they've also done, you know, the show now Mandalorian and other things um, as well, even the Ewok adventures. But, they, man, they are – I'm just looking at their feed now. No, you're good. Yeah. But they are, they are everything about being a fan – uh-huh. And, and you know, loving something, uh, um, sort of 
um, irrationally, right? Mm-hmm. That you know is not that important, but it brings like a joy, certain joy to your life. They cover that and what it is to find like-minded people who enjoy something you do, no matter That's what great. it is, yeah. or, or something that you like, uh, so well. And they hit the nail on the head so much. And they definitely criticize. They are critical, like we were talking about earlier, of things mm-hmm. that need to be critiqued. I mean, they go in pretty hard on the prequels for all the things that we know are stupid about them. But they also defend the spirit of things and why these things still matter and how it's resonated in society. That sounds and, nice. Their breakdown is great. I mean, they treat it like literature and it's just I'm it's my favorite criticism or breakdown podcast of anything that I've listened to their Star Wars episodes. I love it so much. It was refreshing to hear them talking about the original trilogy in such a loving. This is why this thing has lasted. This is why it's a cultural phenomenon. This is why it's the granddaddy of all fanhood. Like these things do resonate. They do matter. They touch on mythology and you know these different elements that matter to all society and you know just the human experience and everything else and it's fucking great man and i can't recommend it enough it is it's my favorite thing that's in that's the last uh, six that's months. good we we need positivity and that's why yeah, you listen to great. someone shit on force company you're just like that's not what i need that's, <laughs> yes, that's, that's not what i need or you pick your battles come on you're gonna shit on forrest gump really right um right. yeah Ugh. Uh, you, know, you know what's funny? Right before quarantine started, Mona literally Lisa's like the week kind before. Of sad in this picture. <laughs> is she's she not, that good? She's not I mean, really at the uh, time. <laughs> but is she still good? No, uh, like a week before quarantine started, we went to a uh, like an underground comedy show, and there were five comics. Three of them made Forrest Gump references. <laughs> Do you know how, how weird that is? Like it's 2020. Like to for that great. even to be a thing is kind of bizarre. But anyway. Um uh, I'll, I'll try well, not to that's, keep circling uh, back to that's Anyway, that's the uh, I have subscribed. The I'm going to check it out. Things to listen to. Um, well, let's move on to you news. You want to hit some news? Yeah, I uh, I have a bunch of shit here, and um, and this uh, this uh, scotch is really just burning burning my mouth. Do it, man. Um, Burn it up. <laughs> I also I it's have like, like a, I have like a cut from uh, my pizza crust earlier. So it's really oh, no. just like burning yeah. oh, inside yeah. my mouth. Oh, yeah. Um, Look at you. All right. <laughs> you want to play some kickboxer training montage music and we'll just pizza pretend that you're preparing scotch yourself? That's what I had tonight. <laughs> um, I, I love scotch. Scotch, scotch, scotch. scotch, scotch, scotch. Um, okay. So in sadder news, uh, we had a few people die. We'll get through them real quick. Olivia died finally. We're taking a minute on <laughs> Olivia. We're not going to go through we're real gonna, quick. I mean, I, if I was outside, what a I, legend. Would, I would pour this scotch out just a little bit for her. But um, can I? Can I? Can I? Can I jump in on this one? Yeah, please take it away, Olivia De Havilland. Okay, yeah. nineteen sixteen to twenty twenty. Right, that is the lifespan. Right. Yep. I first came across Olivia De Havilland watching the nineteen thirty eight film Adventures of Robin Hood with yeah, my dad sure. on like Turner Classic when I was like seven. Cool. And that is an all-timer for me in terms of the classic swashbuckling adventure film. I feel like it kind of invented the formula. Oh, yeah. But she was – I mean, it just hits It hits every note, right? It's like you could argue, oh, it's cliched, but it's all the cliches we love. And also it like kind of invented them. was like the second movie I watched in film class, like my first oh, like film 101. It was like, it was like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's the definition of a crowd pleaser. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just uh, – uh, anyway. Um, yeah. But she was in an even earlier film, Captain Blood, 1935, oh, wow. paired with Errol Flynn. Because Errol Flynn was kind of her counterpart on screen over and over again. They did all kinds of – Charge of the Light Brigade, Dodge City, Santa Fe Trail, a bunch of westerns that didn't make any sense that Errol Flynn, this British guy, was in. Right. But that was kind of the pairing. And I mention that because Errol Flynn was born in 1909. Olivia yeah. de Havilland was born seven years later, 1916. He died like 40 Errol years Flynn ago. Errol Flynn died in 1959. What? 
She outlived him. Now he died early. You know, he died what we consider a shorter life. But this man died. What? God, I can't do math. (laughs) Sixty-one years before. Can you? I mean, just trying to wrap your head around outliving your peer, your co-star that you made Hollywood Golden Age movies with by sixty years. Yeah, you're not like in a wildly different age. You know, gen- a yeah. generation of age, you're you're sort of close. Yeah, pretty it's close. insane. And that's the thing about Kirk Douglas and her. I mean, she really mm-hmm. is now the last of the golden age. I mean, right. she's in Gone with the Wind. Like she is right. the last surviving member of that fraternity, sorority, whatever you want to call it. And also something that I don't know many people would know, but, you know, there's something called the de Havilland decision where she took the studio essentially to court and basically won more power for actors and artists not being able to be, you know, it's kind of the end of or the breakup of the studio monopoly where they could just do whatever they wanted with the, you know, the actors worked for them and they didn't have any say in their projects. So she was a huge force, man. And um, that's just a legend that's gone now. So. Rest in peace, but what a legacy. 104 how, how died weird, in her sleep. How weird Can you imagine I brought that 104 up a 104-year-old I mean, run? Do, you, do it, you do it right. You know, that's, that's yeah, the that way is. to do it. Uh, you know, if you're, an old, if you're that old and you're alive right now, I mean, obviously, well done. But also, yeah, with you. what's and going on. And if you're on, listening to this podcast. Yeah, really age. well done. Um, <laughs> but if you're that age and you see what's going on in the world, it's like, why would you hang on any longer? I just, oh, I, shit, I, I know that's dark, but I just wouldn't. I just Dude, wouldn't. How much the scotch only, have you the had? No, the only, <laughs> I have this written. This is written down. Um, yes. This is, no, you, I it's just fair. Would, it's a fair I point. just would want to go. I'm sorry. Has um, the state of the world, what's going on, caused Kirk Douglas and Olivia to stop <laughs> hanging on? This, is, said, you this know, is really what I'm that's getting That's enough. At. Yeah. That'll do, pig. Uh, That'll right. do. So a couple more deaths real quick. Wilford Brimley also died. Oh, he was oh, 85. Um, Wilford you know, Brimley has been old as long as he lived. He's really old. Just so, for the record. There's a meme him, or, a, or a reference to this. And I think it has to do with like might be Paul Rudd versus Wilford Brimley because it's like <laughs> Paul Wilford Brimley in Cocoon I think was younger than Paul Rudd is now. Unbelievable. And yes. I I think something like there that. There are and so I've many cases of that. I would believe it 100% side side. because 50 it's when like, we were growing up in the oh 80s looks like 80 now. Correct. And people who are this 80 now look yeah. like they're 50 then. It's um, so weird. My first experience with Wilford was actually um, seeing The Firm. When I was oh, very sure. young, yeah, he's in the problem, yeah. and he's terrifying because he's like one of the right. mafia guys, you know, right. guys who kind of hunts people down. So he was always very scary to me. And then I kind of found him to be sort of the kind of love, more loving figure that he's he plays in most of his yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. later. But also, obviously, spokesperson for you know, he spoke up about diabetes for years. He was on sure. all those infomercials. Yep. And shout out to Kevin because I we wouldn't be doing it proper justice talking about Wilford without mentioning that he once made me for my birthday a batch of Southern sweet tea. Like he made me the sugar and tea and he put a picture of Wilford Brimley on the jug that he put the tea in, like this big, right. you know, gallon or two gallon jug. And he named it, he called the brand Diabetes. Okay, sure. And it was <laughs> picture of delicious yeah, yeah. and sugar filled. filled yeah. nice. And it was Diabetes. incredible. So shout out to Kevin. I'll, I'll never cute. forget. That was one of my all time favorites. So thoughtful. 
He put so much thought into that stuff. Yeah, um, and rest in peace. We're not tra- yeah, overshadowing yeah, yeah. the death of Wilford. Yeah, and uh, last one, not maybe the only other one, but Regis Feldman also died. He was 88. I mean, yeah, hell of a run for that as well. Pretty, pretty old. Yeah. Um, well, so I've got a bunch of miscellaneous stuff. I'm just gonna like plow through it. Uh, they and you know this is in the category of like I'm tired of keeping track of this shit. But Top Gun is now moved to July. They moved it from Christmas to July. So we thought it was going to come soon. It's not. It's next July now. So we yeah. got another year yeah. for Top Gun Maverick. Um, Isn't Tenet also, speaking of releases, so, now being released overseas? So they are. The, the most recent thing I read is that they are going to start releasing Tenet very soon, like in the next month internationally. And they're going any theaters in America that are open, they're going to release it. But that will most likely not include really any major cities. So yeah. uh, it's going to be a very weird release. Um, they're committed to, you know, releasing it in theaters, you know, as soon as possible. Um, and, uh, you know, theaters are going to struggle. There's a couple of theater things in the news. Um, you know, AMC and Universal, we talked about their whole feud, you know, months ago on the podcast, but they've now struck a deal, which is, I think it's just like 17 days. Like a movie is going to, the the new contract is you release it in theaters and then 17 days later, you're allowed to have it on demand. And it's like, that's not very long. You know, that's significantly shorter than the old waiting period, which I think was like three months maybe. So, um, it's, it's pretty weird what's going on with movie theaters and I really do worry about them. I'm hoping that maybe the smaller chains or something can can end up being okay, but who knows? Um, Me too. Yeah. Mulan is now not going to be a theatrical re- release, so pretty soon we're going to have Mulan on Disney Plus for thirty dollars. So you have to I have know. Disney Plus, and then you pay thirty dollars. Um, so that's yeah, and far be it for me to bitch backfire? about this because yeah, everybody's struggling right now and you want to support, we love this stuff. So you want to support it anyway, but it right. is a weird thing where you're like, well, I paid this subscription. I pay it every month to get the stuff it's that you tough. have it's tough. and then yeah. we're buying the new stuff. So it's just a mess, man. All of it's kind of a mess. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the kind of the answers are. Well, in, in, uh, less annoying news, um, there is a, a, a video I watched uh, on YouTube from the Wheel Network that uh, Aston Martin is starting to make DB5s again, um, basically new production DB5s of the 63, 64, 65 variety, um, the one obviously in Goldfinger. So yeah. uh, and this is – I don't know what the legality of it is in the UK, but you know, in America, Congress signed a, a, a uh, an act – a year or two ago, uh, and I forget the name of it, but it is it essentially allows auto manufacturers to do small batches of old models. And, I, you know, it's one of those weird things because nostalgia is so powerful in our culture yeah. now yeah. and in the last decade or so. And it's like a lot of people probably are like, you know what? I don't like cars that come out now. I mean, I'm one of those people. I'm just yeah. like, I don't like yeah. any of them. I don't want any of them. They're not worth it to me. And it's and it's this thing of like, if I could just have that old car, but, you know, with some new things. And the, yeah. The, the, yeah. the reason that I got into looking at this is that 
DeLorean was one of the ones that was doing this. And so they have a, a, a planned run. I don't know if any have left the production line yet, but it's very small batch. It's like 200. And so, and right. they're not even that expensive. I think the like book on these was like 60, 70, $80,000, you know, pretty reasonable, like with inflation, probably the same price as they were new. Um, but, uh, but the idea is that the, like the DeLorean, you know, was a very underpowered. So the, the, engine was garbage and it and it had one of the worst safety ratings ever. So those are things that they can fix. It's the old body and it uses an old VIN number. I am pretty sure in in DeLorean's case like it's an old shell um but it's new engine and new airbags uh-huh. and all this shit, new suspension. Um so it's a really fascinating thing for like movie cars. Um obviously Aston Martin's doing it with the DB5, DeLorean's doing it. Um anyways, check it out online uh because I think that's uh that's yeah, a that's cool, wild, cool thing. And it would just be weird to see someone because the DB5 is like worth millions of dollars, you know, a mint condition original DB5 whereas a new one, you know, we might see driving around one day. Um Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that'd be awesome. A uh, couple other things. Um, cin- so, talking about movie theater watching again, Cinemark in some states, not our state, but some states, is doing watch party um, rentals of their theaters, which when I looked at it, it's like really cheap too. So, if you're in another state other than, uh, you know, California, I don't know about New York, but a lot of the other states have Cinemarks that for a hundred bucks, you can rent out the theater. It's a hundred bucks. You can rent this out the theater. This is my fucking dream. Are you kidding Yeah, me? you can rent out the theater. You can't watch anything you want, but they have a, uh, when you okay. go on their website, yeah, because that would be a legal nightmare, but um, you can watch one of their pre-selected movies, which is right, decent right. selection. They've got like 20 or 30 movies on there, and there's some decent shit on there, some stuff that we would definitely be like, oh yeah, that's fucking fun. But again, let's not drive anything. to another state. <laughs> yeah, right. This is our right. 15th idea for a road trip. For- <laughs> right. And you can dude, bring this, up, I mean, to, shout out to- up to 20 people. So, oh, dude, yeah, this, this actually does legitimately sound awesome. I mean, yeah. shout out to Liliana, uh, who, uh, oh, yeah, set me up with my all time favorite up. birthday party. That of all was time, a great birthday we, party. That's what we did. We, yeah. rented out a theater essentially. What did we watch? Raiders or something? I forget. We watched Last Crusade. Oh, Last Crusade. But, okay. But yeah. what was fun was yeah. if you were in the, the real tight group. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we watched Star Wars during before, the day we? when we ran Star Wars yeah. to test everything out. Then we mm-hmm. chilled, had some food. Mm-hmm. And then we ran uh, Indy that night. With, it was a raffle. It was a lot of fun. We had our trailer yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of the beginning of our, our hosting movies. That was cool. Yeah. Back when we had that in our God, That was like, what year was that? 2015, man. That 15? was my last birthday in oh. L.A. prior to moving and then moving back. So wow. that was, uh, was a big birthday. Well, uh, in the category of depressing news, the Orville, when it comes back, which it will be back soon-ish, probably end, end of this year, this year probably, um, uh, it will be its last season. They've already canceled it oh, after this. I, I I read something to the effect of that that was always the plan. Maybe okay. you know maybe that's how they wrote it. Um, but uh, yeah, no more Orville. We get one more season, which presumably will be better because I think they might have more money, but they definitely have more control mm. because now it's going to be on Hulu instead of Fox. So it's not on a network. They could say fuck if they want. And um, presumably, maybe a little bit more control. You know, not. Yeah, I, love censorship, well, I was hoping censorship. for like a five, five to seven. I, I, year dude, run I would have done it forever if they had kept going. If they and I, yeah. I bet I feel like uh, Seth MacFarlane would have gone for many, many seasons. So I don't really know what the story is with that um, mm. because yeah. the amount of. I mean, it just seems so easy to capitalize on the hate that the Star Trek shows are getting from <laughs> right. Star Trek fans. That it's like, okay, we have Star Trek. We're making it. We're yeah. producing the good yeah. Star Trek. So why? 
not why not keep making it you know so I, everybody I, really I know, know who likes Shrek likes the Orville because it's like yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? it's like if you like it's, Galaxy Quest here you yeah. go but it's even that better thing. than that I mean I mean it's not better than Galaxy Quest it's but straightforward it's, it's like more a, straightforward yeah. yeah it's more real right. you know um, right. anyways so uh, I'm gonna transition to uh, trailers and upcoming movies. Um, I just have a few to mention, not really trailers, but sort of. I was going to um, say, what is coming out that's new still? <laughs> well, we it's, it's not, you know, movie, you know, it's all, it's all streaming yeah. services. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> have you heard of Ted Lasso? Have we talked about it? No. Apple TV plus has a new show, uh, in, uh, in a week on August 14th called Ted Lasso starring Jason Sudeikis. And the premise is that he's an American soccer coach who has to go to England to teach or to coach a, uh, a, a British football league. And he's never, oh, you know, wow. okay. You know, uh, coached. Uh, I mean, I'd know, be in right there. English football. Interested. So it sounds good. And obviously I love Sudeikis. So, yeah, um, yeah. so that looks good. HBO max a few days later, uh, August 16th, has Lovecraft Country coming out, so that's kind of like a weird yep, sci-fi the, uh, yep, show. Yep. <clears throat> um, there's another German show coming on Netflix um, that looks really good. It's got a good trailer out right now called Biohackers, um, August 20th. Uh, so that's high on my list of things I'm waiting for. Um, there's a movie called Tesla starring Ethan Hawke playing Tesla. I might have mentioned it before, but that'll mm-hmm. be out also in a couple of weeks, August 21st. Love Ethan Hawke. Um, and then the last one that I think just got a trailer a few days ago is uh, Raised by Wolves, which is Ridley Scott's sci-fi series on HBO Max. Um, and yeah. that's got a date of September 3rd, so it's got a month month from now. I just watched um, that trailer, actually. So, like, these are all things that are coming up soon, and they're in the vein of, uh, you know, movies and things. Um, yeah. So that's exciting. Movies and shit, you might yeah, say. Yeah, movies and shit, yeah. All right, so that's it for the news. Um, let's see. So we, we've got some Rotten Tomato scores. I have another little segment I want to do before Hidden Gems, uh, just briefly. Um, but uh, you got anything else before we do some Rotten Tomatoes? No, Tomato I was going to say, you, you want to hit Rotten Tomatoes first and then uh, yeah. touch on touch So on the Rotten Tomatoes scores that I picked this week were because I had such an M. Night Shyamalan-heavy week because I watched- <laughs> Yes! I watched- Yes! <laughs> watched Bring Buried, it! I watched Buried Secret and then I watched Signs. And uh, I really love signs, man. Like the, the oh, me, you and, and me both. You know, you can pick some of it apart. Obviously, um, there are there are plenty of things that I would I would uh, agree are less than perfect. Um, the ending, you know, is a game, game, yep. in it. Yep. But yep. It, but yep. it it there's something about signs, and there's something about Mel Gibson's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. That and in a rewatch. Those kids, Abigail Breslin and uh, Culkin, uh, Kieran Culkin, I think, or mm-hmm. Rory. Mm-hmm. It might have been Rory. I Rory. think it was Rory. It's Rory, yeah. Um, like singular, beautiful, perfect, very young child performances. Very hard it, to get. It, kids yeah, it brings movies, up this point even the movies that you like. M. Night is masterful at directing kids. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, you uh-huh. put the, I mean, maybe that, maybe that's obvious to some people, but you're like, Oh, six cents. Oh yeah. Obviously no, I'm with you. Yeah. the kid in unbreakable is also outstanding. Yep. He's not even yep. in it that much, but the son yep. is like so powerful. He has such a powerful scene. And clearly if you see him as an adult actor, when yeah. they did a uh, glass, he's right. like, there's nothing special about it. No, him. no, not at all. <laughs> so this is my so. point is that as a kid, like night directs kids like so well, maybe better than, yeah. Anybody yeah. I can think of. 
Um, well, it makes sense that Spielberg was his idol, right? Because right. Spielberg with E.T. Right. and that stuff always had these child but performances. Spielberg, you know, that's really frustrating, though, because Spielberg was given even – this is a bad example, but, like, Ready Player One is not really kids. It's teenagers, <laughs> but, like, terribly directed. You know, We're in the, a different – era of Spielberg. I feel well, like I should, we yeah. should say that. I, I know. Like he, it, it, he has been making films. This is why Tarantino says I'm done at a certain point. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, I'm not, yeah. and I'm not even saying Spielberg's movies will always be good because he's a super talented filmmaker. It's not like he's just going to make a shitty movie. He's more talented mm-hmm. than you know anyone at making films. Like He just knows what he's doing. But the point is like that element of this is a Spielberg movie. No one else can do this that we had with Close Encounters yeah. and E.T. and Jurassic Park and Indiana Jones. Those things that separate his movies from everyone else's, that's kind of run its course, right? Like, I guess th- this well, is true of I guess every where I'm coming from is that I think that so many of the things that make that era of Spielberg that you're talking about special and feel like lightning in a bottle almost is 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 by era and and almost by chance and by you know his his age uh, obviously yeah, being much younger and everything. His age, yeah. But something like having the skill and empathy to direct actors because I don't, I don't know the the storytelling is one thing, but the performances that you get out of your actors is kind of another thing. And even though it's all part of the same thing, but it, I just, I, I'm not, I'm not a director. I've never directed, but I just feel like how do you change so significantly as a director that you don't know when something's good anymore. Um, it's very yeah. mind blowing to me. Yeah. Um, but anyways, you're right. Obviously. Um, so <laughs> I pulled all the all the M obviously. Night movies, and uh, I am leaving out uh, the two he did before The Sixth Sense that I don't really oh, yeah. know much yeah. about. I'm, never I'm also that. leaving yeah. out Last Airbender because it's kind of other intellectual property <laughs> yeah. that wasn't, yeah. Yeah. you know, not, M. Night. Although um, he did say this is the best movie I've ever made. Sure, sure, sure. And in defense of him, before we launch into these, in defense of him, this is another person who people like to shit on now because, yes, he has made bad movies. And, yes, it became popular right. to hate him, right? But you cannot yeah. count out that he has made – fantastic movies also oh like, yeah of course if you're pretending that he didn't come out of the gate and you didn't think after six cents and after oh, unbreakable yeah, yeah. you're a liar if you saw those then and you thought this guy's a hack no because no, everyone no, yeah. was was taken with this guy and he was it's in the, the same Spielberg. vein as what you were talking about with unspooled i think it's <clears throat> i think it's very uh hip to shit on him and and he made some terrible movies but but you, yes, you do. And the the reason that we're doing this, and we're doing mm-hmm. all, by the way, all of them, um, <laughs> is yeah. so that we can see the numbers and kind yep. of yep. reflect on that for a minute, you know. Uh, so, yeah. anyways, so I'm calling gotcha. this I'm the n- night verse only. <laughs> it's sort of his night verse, <laughs> night verse okay. case. Okay, um, right. okay. So the let's begin. We begin with Six Sense. What do you think of it? Okay, Six Sense. I feel like is still pretty beloved. Yeah. And I'm going to say that critics gave Six Sense an 88. And audiences gave Six Sense a 90. You are so close. So critics, 86. And audiences, okay. 90. 
<laughs> there it is. Yeah, there it is. Very, very good. I, th- I thought, yeah, um, audience is right there on top of it. I feel the same way, by the way. I, lo- I think Sixth Sense is a great, unbreakable. Great I don't love horror, and it's one of yeah, my favorites. Yeah, unbreakable, kind of an underground uh, sleeper, if yes. I'm remembering correctly. I love it. I rewatched I think, it about a year ago. I think it's. I do too. Great. I do really too. Great. I'm, I'm so big subtle. Fan of that one. So subtle. Yeah, yeah. It's a fun watch. I mean, it shows um, a lot um, of restraint. Yeah. Go ahead. Unbreakable critics, we will say. I think critics were still in love at that point. I think with this darling, I'm going to say that critics gave this movie an 86, <laughs> and audiences, uh-huh. <laughs> audiences. I'm not sure if they were on this one yet. I'll say audiences gave it a 78. Um, so critics is actually 70, but oh, audiences right. is a 77. So you're very close on. Audiences. Okay, pretty close on that. Um, All right. Yeah. So critics took a pretty significant drop there, but um, yeah. But you know, uh, yeah, I remember that though when this came out. I think people in general were like, eh, "Yeah, it's good." Right. You know, right. they didn't know. I, I don't remember people being in love. It, it came I out think, so fast after Six Sense. I felt like really so. These it. movies are are uh, ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one, or ninety nine. To, uh, let's see. Uh, I know it's yeah. ninety nine, two thousand. Ninety nine, two thousand, and two thousand two, maybe. Um, yeah, 2002 is, is what it is for sure. Yeah. So, uh, but but yeah, that's exactly the point is that he just cranked these out and uh and and I think in a rewatch Unbreakable is better than people remember. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh so Signs. Uh okay, so Signs again still popular at this point, I think uh Critics for Signs, I will say we're still in the high 80s. I'm going to give it an 88. And audiences, I will give it an 85. Quite a bit lower. Um, critics, 74. Audiences, 67. Wow. They that kind of shocked me a bit. Wait, audiences, 67 yeah, for signs? Yeah, yeah. No, fuck you, audiences. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then here's the one, The Village. <laughs> okay. Villages, I feel like when the backlash first started. Mm-hmm. Critics, 70. Okay. Audiences, 62. 43 and 57. Holy shit. So I think people uh, yeah. started disliking so much quicker than I thought they did. <laughs> yeah. Give me girl. Um, is it girl in the water? The lady the in the water. Go ahead. Lady in the water. Give me that one. Okay. I'm going to say critics for lady in the water gave it up 54 and audiences gave it a 38. 25 and 49. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, I reversed them, but I was, I was <laughs> yeah, sure. it's pretty close. Uh, you remember okay. the next one? Uh, this is where I'm losing. Oh, Happening. Uh-huh. The happening? Yeah. Okay. Well, this was dog shit. I'll say <laughs> critics, uh, critics for The Happening, 25, audiences, 28. 18 and 24. Wow. Okay. So I'm not that far off though. I, <laughs> I knew that one. I mean, that honestly, one. I have no, I have no defense for that movie. I'm not going to. This is it. This is also fun. Just movie. seeing if you remember them and the, remember the order. Do you remember the next one? After the happening, I feel like there was kind of a tumble off of a cliff. And did did he direct? Was it is it called Devil? Did he direct a? What elevator movie called Devil or was? Oh that no, he, I think he produced it, but no, that's produced not on this list. Okay, I'll give you so, a hint. This is a Sony movie that came out when we worked there. Oh shit, we're not doing the Last Airbender though. No, so it's not that. 
Oh, my God. After Earth. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> um, critics, After Earth, 20. Uh, audiences, 24. 11 and 36. 11. <laughs> 11. Okay. 11. So Is that, almost <laughs> that, that uh, Again, After Earth, absolute yeah. garbage. Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. know how 11. people who 11. are talented, admittedly, can make stuff that deserves an 11. Um, Will Smith does not make good choices. We've talked about this. Well, yes, yes. But we watched that trailer. I watched that trailer so many times Mm -hmm. as the sneak peek at the end of the Sony video before that I used to be able to quote Mm -hmm. the trailer in its entirety. But what's the the dialogue? But something. Well, the part that I still remember, yeah, yeah, is the, now if we are going to survive this, you must understand that fear, yeah. fear is isn't real. He fear. says, fear. danger is very real, very real. but fear is, is a, a choice. choice. Yes. And <laughs> uh, that speech, which I feel like is well, not bad. mantra in life. It's not bad. Yeah. yeah. C- carrying through all those images, I remember thinking, hey, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Right. And exactly. boy, boy, and, was and I they wrong. Did, they did yeah. not go out of their way to make it obvious that M. Night directed that either. Absolute garbage. Um, because it's his first thing after the happening, you know, or his first yeah. big movie. After that was happening, a so. Will Smith project. That's the way Correct. they were. Yeah, it at was that like point, they were first Will starting Smith. to distinct yeah. themselves, and it went from <clears throat> this is a Shyamalan movie, the guy who brought you Six right, Sense, right. to here's a movie, and he's the director that you're. And not we happen to have to. this director guy. Different thing. You might have heard thing. of him before. Um, right. So we have three more, and the last two are kind of a given. Um, do you remember I think the one? The next other one? one that was kind of his underground comeback mm-hmm. is the one where the two kids go and visit their grandparents. Correct. But I don't remember what that's called. It's called the visit. Um, oh, it had real Hansel and Gretel vibes. It did. I'm yeah. not going to have. In, this is going to be a shot in the dark because mm-hmm. I remember like seeing, and who knows if this was just them promoting the movie, but I remember seeing things like Shyamalan returning to his roots. Like it's so good, it's so fresh. But right. I also never saw this, oh, and I don't I remember it. really the up. response. So yeah. Um, I will say that critics liked this movie and gave it a, let's say, an 80. Oh, wow. audiences gave it an 80 also. I don't know. Not quite that much of a return, but I like where your head's at. It was actually 67 and 51. Okay. Well, still kind of in the middle. Yeah, very Um, middle. But better than 11. Yeah, better than 11. And then Um, we've got uh, Split and then Glass, right? That's where we're at at this point. That's it. Again, split. Maybe I'm going too high here, but split. I thought that people really responded to, um, but I, I don't want to get crazy, so we'll say split seventy five, and audiences seventy seven. Ooh, very close. Seventy seven and seventy nine. Okay. Okay. Yeah, very close. Back but on yes, track. they. Uh, then, that, you know that sorry. is other than six cents. I think his highest numbers ever. That's that. See, that's kind of nuts. Right. Um, to me, six cents unbreakable signs are far and away and clearly the best. Yeah, and, it is. And to Split be honest, is second highest. As problematic, and I understand the criticism of the village. The village, when you're in it, yeah, I also think is a really well done. I had movie. this conversation I mean, the other day that I really don't hate the village. I didn't like it when it came out. I didn't like yeah. the twist, and there were right. plenty of things that I didn't like. And I think when it happened, when it was out, because I love signs so much, and the other three, and you had no context right. for him yeah. Yeah. going off the rails. Um, 
y- it was definitely the worst of the four. Yeah. But yeah. thinking about it today, I'm like, no, I enjoyed it. It's got an amazing cast. I mean, yep. most of these movies yep. have a lot of amazing cast, but and a lot of scary yeah. shit, man. Yeah. If you want to go yeah. and be scared, like truly, that movie truly. did its job. Yeah, I'm gonna rewatch. Um, the and and this, <laughs> he became such a slave of doing something so well on his first outing mm-hmm. that he became known for the twist. And yeah. everybody says this now, so I'm not, I'm you know not original in sure, this way, sure. but. If he had just like concentrated on making movies, which again he is talented at, right? right. And maybe even, you know, not tried to write everything. I realize right. he took some other ideas later, but you know, you look at that and you're like, man, that really is the problem because a lot of these they rely so much on the twist and they fall apart with the twist. But the movie still, it's mm-hmm. like ninety percent of the movie, even though it all hinges on that. And I understand that's why the movie's not good. Ninety percent, you've got things that are effective, yeah, and then you just lose it completely in this turn. And this kind of falls into my philosophy of like with everything with writing, I would run into so often with notes. And this is solid, but you really gotta you gotta throw something at us that we're not expecting. You know, you gotta throw, going into that third act, and I and I get that, and like these are the ideas of plot points, and you need this. But in my opinion, when I'm watching a movie, I can only speak for myself. There are certain movies that I know exactly where they're going. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I, I'm following and I'm on it. But if I'm enjoying the ride and I'm into it, I, I'm not, of course, a, a good turn and something you're not expecting is good. Yeah. I'm not saying that's not good. I just don't think it's imperative and it's part of the formula that you have to follow every single time, which I think is kind of a school of thought with people. Because if if we're setting up for like the Seven Samurai ending, for example, right, we know the showdown's coming. Mm-hmm. We want like the music to build and you know what I mean? And the rain to start falling and like the wall to be there. And here comes the insurmountable numbers coming at us and we have to fight for our lives. Right. Like, yeah, that's an ending that like you build up to and you know what's coming and it's just in the execution of it that it works or it doesn't. But you don't have to throw something crazy in. If I'm on board, I'm on board. If I didn't like the movie and I don't like that, I probably wasn't interested from the beginning. And Shyamalan's in an interesting position right now because we've just talked through – we still got to do Glass, but we've really talked through his his filmography. And it's like so many were consistently with that pressure to you know, subvert you know, the story at some point. And to be brilliant in it. Uh, yeah, and which you can't always do, uh, yeah. and he clearly didn't. So he's in an interesting place right now that he finished his trilogy, his Unbreakable Split Glass trilogy, and Glass wasn't that well received, And it, but he right. can put a cap on it. I'm really interested to see what he does next because all these other ones, you know, the After Earth was like an interesting choice, but it was bad. And then the, <laughs> the visit is also interesting and I liked uh-huh. that. Um I just think that he he it is it is akin to like you know breaking up with someone or something like that. He just yeah. really has such yeah. a clean slate at this point that I I just hope that he maybe doesn't feel that pressure to do a specific thing and just fucking right. make a good movie. Um because we know he has it in him, you know, but the, yeah. the, there is this million dollar question of like those first 3 movies that were so good, what changed? And right, right. there, yeah, there might. There I might. mean, I think definitely, certainly, sticking to the horror slash thriller category, yeah. you know, that kind of Hitchcockian thing is is probably a good choice for him. I actually I wonder, think though, the choice maybe. wasn't bad to venture out where he was like, okay, sure. After Earth, Last Airbender, which is a huge property mm-hmm. and people love, like right. he pulls that off. He's got a Star Wars type trilogy, right. so right. 
I, I think he, sh- he was trying to do something new because everything had started to feel stale and was the same thing. Right. But then I really think coming back around to horror with Split and I've already forgotten again the grandparents one. But, uh, the visit, um, yeah. but you know, that's what kind of got him back on the radar. So I do think he is better in that genre. I just think it can be kind of a trap, too, if he falls into the same Go thing. Go ahead and give me Glass. Uh, glass. Uh, I mean, I got to go. I'll say audiences 50 or sorry, critics 58, audiences 55. 37 and 68. Oh, okay. So audiences weren't as low on it. Yeah. I, I thought that that one, as people suddenly got interested again, was split. And then suddenly everyone was super disappointed. Right. So, but maybe well, I'm over. So I, I don't know much about the last Airbender, you know, uh, property. But um, what do you think those numbers are? Let's just do it. Really low. I think, well, not 11, but I think, uh, I would say 20. So let's say critics 25 and audiences 28. Well, you're right. It's not 11. It's five. <laughs> Holy shit. And audience 30. So. Whoa. <laughs> uh, audience is 30, though. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, I mean, it's always, so, I would say there's always at least a 20, 30 point, I mean, not always, obviously, when you get into the higher numbers, it gets closer. But, yeah. But, you know, when when you have such a low critical number, the audience is never going to be that low, you know? Yeah, um, yeah It sure. just never will because there's enough people that are just like, yeah, that was fun. You so, know? so wait a minute. Okay, so which one was 11? Was it After Earth? Um, After Earth uh, was 11, yes. So after Earth eleven and Last Airbender five, see you can't convince me. Eh, those are really bad. I almost <laughs> feel like you can't convince me that the happening is not as bad as those. Oh right, right. Simply based on those, I could script doctor in my own head and figure out a way to get a good movie out of them. Mm-hmm. And the happening is a laughably bad right, movie that wasn't right, intended right. that way with a laughably bad concept. It seems concept. like a joke. Like, yeah. all of it is is silly and stupid. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm with I you that, that even though I will not say that there's much redeeming about After Earth, but conceptually and visually, there's right. something there. They're going for something. The happening, there's nothing there. Don't yeah. make that movie. Don't tell that <laughs> yes. story. Please just do oh not do that. Um, anyways, that movie gave us a bunch of great memes. That's yeah, all I can yeah. tell you. That one. <laughs> Still to this day, I'm very afraid of wind. Um, <laughs> so, uh, before, before we throw oh, out our shit. hidden gems and wrap up, I just want to, uh, do like kind of a, um, I want to talk about something that's kind of throwbacky that, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we've talked about it. It's in our, it's in our wheelhouse of stuff that we would like, but I don't really know how many times you've seen this or how much you remember it, or more specifically, when the last time so you intrigued. saw it was. Uh, really? Saw it was. It's uh, directed by Clint Eastwood, and it's called Space Cowboys. <laughs> oh hell yeah, man! I remember Space Cowboys. It's probably been fifteen years. This since is I've my seen point. It. I think I, it's probably been at least fifteen years for me too, because it came out in two thousand. And I probably watched it a lot because I was of the age that that was fun, and I watched it a bunch. Yeah, but like, okay, it's probably been twenty years since I've seen it. Since it came out, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I I I saw it a couple times. I'm sure I saw it at some point on DVD or something with some friends. But um, I enjoyed Space Cowboys. I did too. Um, thought it was a fun ride. 
Yeah, I liked the old guys. You know, going up. It to is the fun to see them. Plus, it's a you know good group of guys. You got Tommy Lee Jones. You got yeah, a, yeah, James true. Garner and some Donald Sutherland. So, what's are, wild to me is like Wilfred. Uh, Brimley, yeah. those guys were old then, right? And, they've been, and they <laughs> were old before, years ago, yeah. and they're still old now. Um, yeah, so it's been a, a long stretch. Well, what made um, me think of that sort, and not that it's the same at all, but um, but this is in the vein of like stuff I watched this week. Um, the SpaceX uh, Dragon capsule came back to Earth the other day on Sunday, and that was yeah. a big deal. Yeah. You know, that was very exciting that they finished that mission. The two astronauts that went up uh, a while back, uh, you know, sixty days or ago or whatever. Um, came back and it was all safe and it was good. And it's one of those things that like, obviously the media covered it, the press covered it quite a bit, but, um, I think just, uh, conceptually, I, I, I wish more people talked about the, the positive energy of, um, you know, our space program and what they do. And more specifically that these guys were testing this capsule, um, there's the, there's not any really reason to think something was going to go wrong, but it 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 was a test, um, and uh, in a, in a you know sort of proven vehicle, um, but the first time that uh, you know U.S. astronauts came back to a water landing since the Apollo missions, um, 1975, I think was the last time we did that. Mm-hmm. So just to see a capsule. I mean, I I haven't been alive since that happened. To see a capsule yeah. with yeah. parachutes on. that came out and then it land in the water—that's shit that just happens in movies. Like we ha- we're not alive. That's why my brother That's wasn't alive. You know, I mean, they it it has been a long time. So it happened. Yeah. It happened safely. It happened totally according to plan. In fact, their quote, uh, or at least um, uh, Doug Hurley's quote was. Uh, we're almost kind of speechless as far as how well the vehicle did and how well the mission went. Um, and even That's to the awesome, point when man. they were coming back on reentry and and floating down, they were just making – they said they were making like a bunch of satellite calls. They were calling their, their wives <laughs> and they were just like sitting because it's totally automated. They're just in you know yeah. pod and it just goes. So yeah. it's it, it's just a very, very positive thing I think in America what they just did. And and obviously man, now it will – It'll open the floodgates for lots more missions and lots more launches, and we'll see right, it. Right. It'll become very routine, but it uh, it's just an awesome thing. Uh, sorry, well, guys. it's making me so badly want to watch Apollo 13, right, which I have also right. not seen in, in years and I think and that's years. a good and, one to watch. Uh, speaking yeah. of that movie, yeah. that is the reason you should be given all the credit when nothing goes wrong with something this, <laughs> right. uh, that so many things can go wrong. Because oh, my God, show, yes. You know. But you do um, – anyway. there's, there's this – okay, so I mean the last thing I'm going to say about this. There's this concept that as time goes on and as technology gets better, things are easier. And that's sort of true, but space is a, a bitch, you know? So I, I don't I don't necessarily yeah, sure. take that for granted that just because it's SpaceX and just because it's Elon Musk that everything's just groovy. Um, you know, it's a private company. is totally unprecedented. While the c- competing client for, uh, you know, uh, space travel, um, Boeing and United Launch Alliance, they are – uh, going all through kinds different kinds of failure right now in the capsule yeah. that they're building and it's just it, it just shows that uh I re I, one of the many reasons that I really appreciate uh Elon Musk's companies and SpaceX and what the people at SpaceX do I just think it's it's just great it's great it's the right only on. it's one yeah. of the only rays of light in in our country Hell yeah, man. you got to um, find them well, hey, man, Space Cowboys. Yeah, you know, Space Cowboys. Great flick. Um, 2000, Unbreakable Space Cowboys. Yeah. Great year. For yeah, yeah. Hey, Reindeer Games, 2000. Sure. 
<laughs> I think. I'm actually not positive about I that one. It feels either. right. I've feels never right. seen that. Yeah. Um, well, so uh, <laughs> just to finish finish that thought, uh, my hidden gem is Buried Secret of M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan. Um, what's your Buried Secret? Fair. Or your, what's your buried uh, secret? What's so your my buried secret, I don't want to talk about it on the podcast, <laughs> but I'll tell you afterwards. My <laughs> hidden gem for the week, which we have retitled Buried Secrets going yeah, forward, yeah. Um, is a movie called In a Valley of Violence. Oh, nice. And yeah. it is a, it is not in the style of a spaghetti western, but it is very much uh, in that kind of brand of movie. Cool. Uh, it's shot a little more straightforward, but it's definitely... A, a subject, an idea, uh, a you know, story that is very much right out of that kind of um, kind of flick, that yeah. kind of subgenre. Uh, stars Ethan Hawke and John Travolta in my favorite John Travolta role <laughs> in a while. Man, yeah. um, he's actually playing a character as opposed to. I mean, I love when John Travolta is John Travolta, but he's definitely playing a character in here. It mainly follows Ethan Hawke. If you like spaghetti westerns. You're gonna dig this movie. It's cool. a lot of fun. Uh, it's got is it Tessa Farmiga? I always I never know. Ta- if I, I think it's her pronounced Tasia, right. but I could be wrong. Tasia, um, yeah, she's in it. Um, there, there's a couple other people you'd recognize, but um, if you don't dig that kind of genre, you're not gonna like it. You know what I mean? It's right. nothing that you'd enjoy. But um, I, I highly recommend. Uh, fun little hidden gem. Very violent. But what I dug about it was, it is. Obviously, effort goes into this, but it seems like it's effortlessly funny. Cool. So in this very dark kind of setting, which is kind of a staple of these spaghetti westerns, there is also a lot of comedy if you're tapped into it. And I just kept laughing just over and over again. But really? And nobody was going for the laugh. Sure, no sure. one was going for the laugh, <laughs> but it just kept landing. And I know it was intentional but it was subtle. You know what I mean? That, sure. That's as much as I can maybe say about it. I'm having trouble articulating it. But well, if you like those good. kind of movies, check them out. It's a, it's a high recommend from me in a valley of violence. I've, I've put that on my list. That's very good. Um, Word. Well, not to uh, call back so quickly to uh, Space Cowboys, but uh, <laughs> one of the, the – <laughs> what I want to leave us with, there's a, there's a reason I'm bringing this up, yeah, is right that on. there was a song that played for a few seconds in that movie that was really – like on repeat for me when this movie came out and it was okay. a song called space cowboys by InSync. Um, so yes. I didn't, I didn't listen to InSync at all. I never was into any of Nor the boy I. bands, Nor did I. but I had the CD cause no strings attached came out in March, 2000. And that was like their okay. big album and no strings attached. I had in a CD player and I would only play that track, which was track three was space Cowboys. Cause it was in the movie, you know? So it's, yeah. it's a silly yeah. thing, but it's uh it's what I'm going to play uh, to play us out. <laughs> Hell yeah. Play so, us out. I love um, it. Anything else? Are we done? No, man. We did it. In sync. Okay. Like, uh, like uh, SpaceX. We are, uh, <laughs> we are great successes. All right, here we go. Oh, so bad. <laughs> Repeat. On repeat. <laughs> Everyone's talking about Jerusalem. Are they? I guess. I don't know. Are we talking about Y2K at this point? <laughs> yeah. No, it was done. Got my eyes on the sky. Oh, 
this feels a little bit like Duran Duran doing a song for a view to a kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your old Roger Moore. Like, I'm just reading the lyrics, right? There's a line coming up. Sonic boom and never let you try to stop me. Uh, I just, I just, well, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, no, that's poetry. And uh, Visa left I love as in this. So, and they, they, they throw it to her. Oh, repeat. On repeat. Yeah, there's no gravity to fall. Okay. Oh, it's so, so 90s. Space Anyway, that's fun. You plus me equals there's a, there's a line here. Millennium sound will motivate the future years. Well, if it did, they fucked us all up. I don't know what they fucked us up. Oh, this is this is this part. Okay, right. Sonic boom and never. Oh, maybe this is Lisa Lopez coming in. There. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, she's got a. She's got all the crazy lines. Oh, it's crazy. 